This episode lovingly brought to you by Emporium Arcade Bar. Emporium hosts awesome games, beer, food, and live music events daily in Wicker Park and Logan Square. Visit EmporiumChicago.com for info. Damn right, it's video games and beer. Yeah, you're going to visit them. A world of beauty. A world of adventure. A world of paranormal wonder. Coming to the Saskatoon Civic Auditorium. Fright Capades. Brought to you by Soda Boy Brand Cola Beverage. And America's Cigarette Council. Featuring some of the biggest names in crypto figure skating. Brian Batboytana. Christy Yokaguchi. Nancy Scarrigan. Michelle Swan. Watch Hamilton. And the Christmas Princess herself, Oksana Bayul. Witness the beauty and grace of these rarely seen and poorly understood mysterious performers. Feast your eyes on their monstrous majesty before they feast on your eyes. So get your tickets now. Available through Hayton Ticketmaster or at the Dybbuk box office. Saskatoon Civic Amphitheater. Right Capades. Not responsible for lost or eaten eyes. I'll be attempting in this episode a triple back axle, a uh, high degree of difficulty, and uh, truth be told, I'm just praying to God someone takes a crowbar to me before I have to go out there. I've got it covered. Nice. And then I'm going to go out and do a triple sow cow. Oh, uh, that sow cow. <laughs> There's nothing more difficult than a sow cow. Sow cow. Welcome to Blurry Photos. <laughs> Your source, for, your source for up-to-date figure skating information. <laughs> up-to-date from, I think, 1988. That's right. probably the last yeah. time I watched yeah. figure skating. I think it's 1980. I mean, it was, probably, it was a good one. Good year to watch it, I think. <laughs> <laughs> hi. Hello, everyone. Hi. Hi. I'm Dave Stecco. I'm David Flora. Welcome to Blurry Photos. Hope you're doing well. Hope your sow cows are triple. <laughs> Hope you land all your axles. Sticking them. Just stick those landings. <laughs> so hard. How are um, you, dear sweet listener? Now, Flora, we just wait for a response. Right. <laughs> uh, I was really you. hoping you were going to be the one to say so. I could go, shh, shh, shh. <laughs> We wait. <laughs> Double down. So, what's going on these days? Um, you know, September winding down. That's right. Already. Uh, and you know what that means? You know what's winding up? You know what's waxing? Gosh, if only there was some sort of audio clue to let us know what was coming up. If only we had some sort of trademarked laughular sound, he said, trying to make eye contact with his co-host so he would understand that he's trying to get him to do. <laughs> there it is. Oh, the maniacal cackle of the headless horseman harkens. The soon arrival of Blurry Photober. Thunder sound. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we did it. That's right. Uh, but we're not out of the September woods yet. Nope. There's still there's still some September foliage. Yeah. Gotta gotta chop this out with a machete and I tell you what, even if you had a machete or two Jesus. for this episode, I I don't think you would uh, <laughs> get out of the rainforest. That is what we're talking about today. Yeah, if there was a Parsec Award for ambitiousness, don't worry, we wouldn't get that either. We wouldn't either. get it. We wouldn't get it. But we'd go to be, another space. We'd one. be nominated for this. That's right. Because tonight we are talking about 
reality. The fabric of reality. Man, reality. All of it. Just everything <laughs> from from Big Bang chimpanzee to, to chimpanzee. <laughs> ah, nice. <laughs> That's right. Ah, another thick double stacked hamburger that that we're going to try and gonna cram make, into it's our gonna faces. It's going to make you gassy. It's going to make you gassy. And it's going to make you gassy. <laughs> and take some Beano. Be, be, gas X? Beano? What is it? I don't it? know. We're going to talk about what reality is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. We'll talk about some, uh, well, what perception is, well, uh, reality in different cultures, some theories. Some philosophy. Oh, God. Some ancient history. Oh, and, man. And all the way up to currently being executed physics research yeah on this exact question just wh- what the hell's going on and i what's all this and i <laughs> yeah that actually should be the subtitle reality, reality. what's all this then i <laughs> so let's give you a little little overview stop wasting time yeah because it doesn't exist yeah that's on the list i i've always thought we should do a whole episode on time we'll do it think... we'll do one on time yeah uh, you know oh yeah 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 yeah, 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 yeah. don't say anymore don't say anymore <laughs> pretty bird <laughs> we, we get into a lot of uh subjects these days where we're like we're going to talk about one facet of this something that's tied into it could be its own subject so we we got to kind of tiptoe around it Right. That this is this is one of those times uh with time being the time of the essence. Yeah. Don't it's time 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 won't give time. me time. And time makes lovers. Did you know I am horrified by two facts about uh <laughs> our <laughs> about our uh uh Rainmakers episode one. God. We sang through that whole fing thing. Really did. We never stopped. Two, we didn't notice. <laughs> <laughs> we never referenced the fact that we didn't stop singing, which means that we didn't notice it when it was happening. We're just like, oh, we're just two freewheeling guys who like to, to sing all the time. Yeah, that's right. The hell was that all about? I'm freewheeling. <laughs> man, oh, man. That was, yeah. So there's there's your musical episode. You, you know what I'm just disappointed myself in? What? Uh, instead of singing freewheeling to the melody of free fallen, <laughs> yeah. I sang it to Dreamweaver. <laughs> oh. That's weird. Yeah. I believe I can get me through this podcast. Let's talk about reality. <laughs> but seriously, guys. Seriously. Let's get real for a second. Yeah. We'll still <sighs> sing if given half a point. So let's get into this. It's it's thick. It's it's juicy. Reality and everyday usage of uh-huh. the term means everything that exists. Yeah. All right. The term reality in its widest sense includes everything that is, whether it is observable accessible or understandable by science, philosophy, theology, or any other system of analysis. Reality in this sense may include both being and nothingness, whereas existence is often restricted to being. Mm -hmm. The Oxford Dictionary defines reality as the word or the state of things as they actually exist, as opposed to an idealistic or notional idea of them. The state or quality of having existence or substance. In philosophy, existence that is absolute, self-sufficient, or objective, and not subject to human decisions or conventions. Already, already, it's a bit right. F- f- 
yeah i mean it 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 perfectly toes the line between density and just mind crushing boredom like your brain just slides right off of it so don't worry we're we're that's not that's don't be bored (laughs) (laughs) good one (laughs) don't Uh, worry i saw i saw a fire cropping up and i put it out (laughs) that's right i think the uh, one big thing to take from that is when we're talking about reality for this episode we're not talking about existence no existence is is going to be a, a, a different thing also another thing that we kind of are tiptoeing around reality is what what we take in now it's hard to it's hard to boil that down without getting too into it so let's just keep going <laughs> so we're so this is we're taking the sat approach to this it's going to take too much time. Skip it. We'll come back to it at the end of the test if we have time. Just mark a C right now and then <laughs> keep going. Uh, of course, reality is one of the greatest mysteries of human existence. At present, there is no way to measure reality, if if that's even the correct term. If if to measure reality is even, you know, the correct way well, to. Wrap I your can head tell you it. right now. There are ways to measure reality, and you're not going to find out those till the end, because no. in the chronological approach of this episode, you're going to get the goodies at the end. So I can tell you that that statement is not entirely accurate. I'll, I'll tell you that it's unprovable, though, in, in, mm. at the, in the end. Hip. Hip. Him. 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 Hip. I hope this is the episode that tears us apart. <laughs> So uh, so we're left to theorize and philosophize on it. Uh, Eastern and Western philosophies vary greatly on what reality is and what is included in the conceptions of it. Uh, and this, I think it's, it's going to be a fun subject because it spans so many disciplines, including philosophy, physics, mathematics, theology, technology, sociology. This ology, that ology, and jumping jolly, oh my golly gee. <laughs> was good. It was thank, good. Thank you, you. You bastard. I didn't make it up. I think it's from an old Dr. Seussy thing. I don't know what that's from, but it was rattling around in my head. It's a weird thing to rattle. Let's, yeah. um, don't look in my junk drawer, man. Let's, let's get into something that, that is not reality. Okay. But I think is important uh, in our understanding of what we're talking about. <laughs> it, it had better be. Otherwise, it's a bad choice to have on this episode. So I'm going to talk about battle toads. <laughs> Man, what a hard game. <laughs> Super tough. Battle but satisfying. Tough. I want to talk about perception. Mm-hmm. Partly because it does play uh, a large part in what we consider reality. And it's a lot of fun with, with some uh, uh, thought experiments Experiments with, with it. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Um, so a, a big part of reality is tied to how it's perceived. Perceptions broken down into different categories and pummeled with philosophical debate, but for the vast majority of us, external or sensory perception is what we use to comprehend the reality around us, at least the world that we live in. We use sight, hearing, touch, smell, and taste to gather information about physical objects, which is then processed cognitively, and that's when philosophy explodes into rainbows and kitten farts. Yeah. So we won't go that far. We'll just we'll just stop right there because <laughs> man, the philosophical debates on this well, the, run the gamut. Yeah, and they they 
have since two people decided to to stop throwing rocks at each other and talk about where the rocks came from to 10,000 years from now when we're throwing space rocks at each other. Right. No one will ever stop debating it. We get a little bogged down if we start wading through the philosophy of perception, but uh, I, I want to point out just a couple fun and interesting concepts since perception is reality's number one booty call. Mm-hmm. Um, consider the thought experiment of my red, your blue. Have you heard of this? No. Okay. Let's say I have a red balloon. Uh-huh. I see it as red, but there's no way for me to know that you don't see it as blue. But since that's the color you were taught was red, we both agree it's a red balloon. So ah. you're seeing you're seeing a blue balloon. I'm seeing a red balloon. But you have always known it as a red balloon. Right. When I was a kid and I saw that color, somebody said red. So I'm like, all right. Exactly. How's I, I, that? That always struck me as a very cool kind of like, oh, man, I never thought of the world that way. You know, like there's no way for me to know what you see in, in this and that. But I can imagine uh, at least this thought experiment. I can right. I can grasp this one. The, and, and the fact is our perception would be different then, but the reality is true for both of us. It's, it's a red balloon, mm-hmm. right? Color in general can be thought of as an illusion or, or rather a mental construct. And think of it this way. What is color to a blind person? If you write a sad emo song, I will fly at you with, ri- with razor hands. Are you talking to me? Yeah. Why would I write a sad emo song? Because it sounds like you're working on one already. <laughs> Sounds like whatever, you're, dude. Whatever. <laughs> it sounds like you're working. Whatever, dude. Hey, what is color to? <sighs> All right. You know what? You're. I'm the dick All here. Right. I'm All abso- right. Okay. All because right. this whole episode is going to be nothing but those questions, and if I get pissy every time it happens, we're not getting anywhere. Seriously. <laughs> anyway, here's Wonderwall. <laughs> <laughs> what you just, dear listener, ran up against is my my instinctual response against uh, uh, self examination. Or anything, any sort of perspective analysis, instant <laughs> anger. <laughs> oh, what the hell are you trying to do? Is it, what, what kind of <laughs> game are you playing? <laughs> there, there's, there are anecdotes about um, people that are blind from birth, and then they have their, their sight restored mm-hmm. at some point. For, and, and the number of people who this happens to is very small, and it's a, it's a rare condition or, or even... I, I'm I'm not even sure exactly like how it happened to these people in these stories, but as I was going through the research, I, I came across a couple of these stories, and when they had their sight restored, uh, they they weren't able to handle what they saw then. Right, and there was uh, I've read a few of those those stories. Um, it is not uncommon for people in that situ- situation, which is itself an uncommon situation, right. but um, to either extremely limited the amount of time that they see things Mm -hmm. or to voluntarily go back to being blind. They'll wear darkened glasses or something like that. They will voluntarily shut that back down. And, um, not, not necessarily in some larger philosophical reasoning, but they're the parts of, of their brains that we, you and I use obviously reactively without thinking about it, uh, to process visual information aren't that aren't very well formed. Right. And so things like depth perception, especially, um, objects in motion. There's, there's a lot that, that the way that, that 
that we use our sight informs our actions in, in the way our brains work to suddenly have that extra input when you've been functioning without it. I can imagine that's just very yeah. jarring. Yeah. And, and apparently it, it can go very badly for people. They, they really can't handle it in their mm -hmm. lives. Um, but to, for an example, there was a story of someone who, who got their sight back, you know, in, in middle age or whatever, and they would see a flock of birds in the air and they would try and swat it because they, they thought it was right there in their face. Right. Um, so it's, you know, this depth, depth perception, they, they can't grasp that because it's a, it's something we learn, uh, growing up, you mm -hmm. know, as a child, you learn how to process the depth perception and the information that's coming in through your eyes. Uh, and it's, yeah, it's, it's pretty incredible. And like the whole idea of trying to describe color for a blind person, you, you just, you can't do it. Unless you're really high. Yeah. Then you just relax and let it happen. Cause like with the red balloon, somebody who's never seen the color red before, how do you tell them what red is? You know? Yeah. I've, I've, I've actually have read a thing or two where people try to associate and people have taken swings at this. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, they associate it with emotions, um, things like that. Or, or tempered, like hot, yeah, cold. Yeah. Th those kind of things. And, and it's important again, uh, lest you think we're, we're getting a little off topic for reality. I mean, like, like, uh, Flora said, without perception, we don't have any means of, of even attempting to grasp reality. So what we're talking about right now are these, these weird perceptual gaps or, or how important perception is to us and how we process that. And then that leads us to reality, right, like right. how once, you know, first of all, we have a hard enough time establishing a baseline for perception. We can't empirically prove that Flora and I are perceiving the same thing. Yeah. Uh, and so it's one of the problems we have with then saying, okay, well, we have to agree on a series of perceptions that are applied to our surroundings because our surroundings is what we're really trying to look at. Right. And reality is experienced equally for everyone, at least for the sake of this argument. Let's assume that it is. But another, another way to think about it is how is the world perceived by a dog? Right, like as being pretty fucking awesome, I would imagine it's pretty awesome. But they're missing, they're missing a rod or or whatever it is. They they can only see a couple colors, right, in the I, spectrum. I think so. I think it's. I, I thought it was all black and white, but I don't really know. I think they can see. Uh, I, I think it's two colors. I think it is blue and green. Well, there's. It's too bad. There's no way to ask some sort of giant pooled. <laughs> receptacle for all the world's knowledge yeah i think the color they can't see is red in the shades of red i could be wrong i'm glad you're looking it up i should know this for my dog i've got i mean her favorite toys are a blue toy and a green toy <laughs> maybe that's what i'm basing it on she hates that lobster taking that back to boston oh okay uh according to the internet uh, dogs see shades of yellow and blue, but do not have the ability to see, uh, green, uh, uh colors from green to red. So oh. it's a, it's a yellow, blue and gray world to a dog. Oh, so it's not green. It's yellow. Yeah. Well that, but that's interesting to me that they can see yellow and blue, but not green, but not green, different wavelength, but it shouldn't it be the wavelength between them. Um, actually, you know what? I'm so glad you asked that because I happen to have an, an image of this right here. It actually goes to white. There is no, uh, the, the dog spectrum 
turns to white. It goes blue, a gray into blue, then white, huh. then yellow, then back to gray. Interesting. Wild. Yeah. Okay. You're right. I would have thought the same thing. I was like, how can you have yellow and blue and not green? Right. Well, well, the, the green toy that she likes does have yellow in it. So mm. it's white, white and yellow. I think she just, <laughs> yeah. The other one's white and blue. Uh, that's the, and that's her reality. Mm-hmm. Only blue and yellow stuff, right? And what about a bat? It's echolocation for them, right? That, uh, yeah. I mean, that's how they perceive most of the information that they that they get. Uh, bees are even even beyond that, right? Bees. They, do you know the the sensory? Uh, yeah, it's it's um, they, they actually they have a a, a pretty rich combo. Mm-hmm. Um, they do have. Uh, compound eyes, uh, but th- for bees, a lot of it is a chemical pheromone right, communication, right. but also vibrations. Yeah, like you, everyone's familiar with the videos of bee dances to give information. It's a vibrational dance. They're they're not like seeing it because bees live almost in a two dimensional world in the hive. You know, you wouldn't be able to like very few bees would be able to see that when that bee shakes its abdomen and is giving information to the rest of the hive. He's sending out vibrations. And we as humans don't perceive that. Right. That's not part of our reality, but it is completely part of theirs. That's part of their perception. I mean, it's it's interesting to think about perception when you start branching out from just the five senses we have, you know? Right. But um, it, and, and it's 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 weird because to a, a degree, even as we discuss it, it's important, but I also I keep having this impulse to say it's a moot point because Bees, dogs, humans, echidnas, pangolins, and and fluke worms all live in the same reality. That's that is my point, though. And and so there, there's a degree to which your perception of your surroundings is irrelevant, unless you're trying to determine the nature of your surroundings. And then it, there could be that there's very and there's the. It could be to this point. I mean, heck, that's a huge guiding principle of this whole damn podcast. Oh, that yeah. There are things around us that we don't perceive. Doesn't mean they don't exist. Doesn't mean there aren't. I mean, d- dark matter. Right. We right. have a very hard time perceiving that, but it's real right. and it matters and it's important. So, so th- th- it is, it's uh, on one hand, I keep wanting to say, ah, come on, we're all doing the same thing here, mm, yeah. but and, and it's funny. The one time that that question really matters is when you ask. Well, what is exactly, you know, am I seeing everything right now? Can I see everything? You know, there's a, uh, I think Neil deGrasse Tyson did this really great series on what it would be like if our eyes were made to, uh, you know, what, what would the sky look like if our eyes were meant to see, uh, x-rays, right? If we saw radio waves, if, you know, oh yeah, we, know, ha- we see very little. Yeah. The electromagnetic spectrum, huge. Our little slice of pizza from it, little bits. Little bits, but I think I think the point that that you're making is the opposite of of my point. I think your red is my blue. My my point is that we all live in the same reality, and our perception may be different, but it's the same reality that we're all perceiving. Right. That's and that's just the point that no. I'm trying to make. Is no, that, I agree with that. That that's that that's exactly what I was saying. Like, regardless right. of what each thing sees. We're all still right, experiencing right. the same. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Now, real quick, space and time, and again, we're going to tiptoe a little bit, but 
these are perceived differently as well, and, and we don't even have to get into relativity for that difference. Uh, time, which we perceive as ever flowing forward, marching straight to our death, uh, is perceived <laughs> differently. Dave is reading. He's not paying attention at all. No, I am. <laughs> I, I'm making sure. I, I'm the guy who's like checking out your dog vision here for you. Okay. <laughs> um, Were you f***ing with me and I didn't I was just it? being emo. Uh, oh, sh- <laughs> sorry i was i was actually uh verifying that uh because i'm 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 no apiest i don't know a ton about mm. bees i was making sure that that thing about the bee dance vibration was gotcha. accurate i didn't actually see yes or no on that so i could be wrong on that but oh. uh i mean i mean the bee dance is important they, i know there's a few different kinds of it but uh i know that at one point i read a paper where the guy was thinking that maybe it was more vibrational than than visual right right i didn't see anything about that maybe that wasn't a su- i maybe, think you're i think you're right though maybe that hypothesis wasn't borne out i don't know yeah um sorry back so, to your back so to I'm, your emo bullshit going, <laughs> i'm going on the ever the ever forward march of time it's in and, and we actually Which doesn't exist we actually uh had a conversation about this not too long ago uh you perceive it differently based on age mm-hmm. the older you get the faster time seems to go I, and I, and I think, and this is my personal opinion of this. And I, I thought of this a long time ago because I remember when I was a kid in my neighborhood, we had a, the little local swimming pool. My neighborhood is called Skyway. And so all the, like I grew up on Saturn drive, all the streets have <laughs> names of planets and the, 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 the neighborhood swimming pool was called the little dipper. Nice. Adorable. Um, wow. a pun rich neighborhood. Yeah. Very nice. And, uh, and and I forget, I think you had to be nine years old to go to the Little Dipper by yourself. And I remember when I was a kid, my birthday's in October, and I remember going, okay, I finally turned nine, but the pool's closed for the winter. I just got to wait. <laughs> then I can go by myself. And that seemed to be like 10 years. Yeah. And I my thought was this, and, and truth be told, little junior genius, your brain, at least the best research we've got now, says your brain perceives time as a percentage of overall experience. So as you get older, time does seem to go faster because, uh, you know, when, when you're 10 years old, a year is 10% of your life. It is a chunk of your life. Mm -hmm. When you're 50 years old, not nearly so big a deal. You know, it's, it's 2% of your life. It doesn't do a thing for, you know, like it, it changes significantly. Right. Uh, and so as you get older, those percentages drop by. So, so time does go quicker. Like we don't care as adults. We don't care about an hour, you know, like you Shit, spend much- I do. I'd like <laughs> to have a few more, <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like if, if you have to wait for something for an hour, it's not, you know, like I ride the train for an hour every day. Right. Yeah. But when you're a kid, think of all the times. I'll tell you. That was the death knell. Whenever your parents said something was going to take an hour, you oh, knew you yeah. were when well. When you're visiting like your yeah, grandmother or something. You well and truly <laughs> there's no there's no getting around that amount of time it's forever the the thing i always go back to is how long summer felt yeah you know summer you're out of school and you you just got nothing but nature to run around and, and rip and roar through it was like yeah this is this is a great amount of time just to be crazy just yeah. just let loose run around have fun and these days, like when I hear, oh yeah, school's back in session. I'm like, what the f***? School <laughs> just let out. Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah. And so, and, and, and I'm not even in school. <laughs> and yeah. And, and, what the f- <laughs> and people's perception of time has always been squirrely. 
yeah, you know, yeah. and, and everyone, everyone who's ever had a job knows this. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh yeah. You know, well, like, jobs too. Yeah. You know, so it's, yeah, time perception, really weird. Yeah. So we'll, we'll come back to that. I'd like to do a whole episode of just on time itself. I'm, I'm sure we can get to that at some point. There's a book that I have, I have taken two swings at in my life now, and I still have it called the end of time. Um, that is just a lengthy explanation of why there are some scientists who don't think time exists, that, mm-hmm. that time is not an immutable part of, of our reality, which we'll touch on sure. further here. Uh, but boy, every time I hit it, I'll get like 70 pages in and then just, just bounce right Start off. Start bleeding. Of yeah. yeah. Let's talk a little bit about space. Okay. I, I don't have as good a grasp on this one for, for some reason. It's important to do this now because it's definitely going to come back in later. Right. Well, we construct a way mentally to measure space and use that uh, to help structure experience, which is a subjective, quote, pure a priori form of intuition, end quote. At least that's what our friend Immanuel Kant described in his critique of pure reason. So let's let's say that one more time. We construct a way mentally to measure space and use that to help structure experience. Yeah. It's just a, yeah, it's just a way to help us put ourselves in reality. Yeah. It's, it's, it's an organizational tool. Yes. Yes. Saying something is a mile away or three kilometers away or whatever. It's how we, how we can put ourselves in the world and know that, yeah, this is how this is. It's, it's stamped. It's (laughs) yeah. And it's, it's, and, and, you know, pick your poison it's either us accurately describing the world around us or, or it's, it's chaos or it's us putting another coat of paint on the gigantic lie we're telling ourselves yeah well, you know is is the specificity could, could also what, be that too what helps us sell it you know it's yeah. regardless yeah we we have this system of not of 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 distances we we measure distances in time we measure, we measure distances in space yeah yeah, and it's, and it's how we organize things. It's how our brains know where everything is. And what Kant was saying, a pure a priori form of intuition, uh, a priori means it, it has existed before co- consciousness. Mm-hmm. It's, it's always been that way, but it's, it's in the intuition. It's how we know how things uh, are, are measured. It's one of those. It's, ha- it's, it's one of the tools of organization that's always been there even before we thought about it being there. Right. And we'll certainly get into this uh, when we talk about uh, the reality of math and space and things like this. But, but just as a, to, to point this out now, to highlight this idea of, of a priori knowledge, keep in mind that, for example, in a lot of physics and a lot of quantum mechanics, um, Schrodinger's cat, um, uh, superposition of electrons oh, in, yeah. their, in their clouds require observation. These things don't, choose a state until they're observed in that state. So and then Heisenberg comes in and pisses all over it. <laughs> well, no, actually the, 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 that's the beauty of it. Actually, Heisenberg is the reason that that works. The, the uncertainty principle, like, uh, but the, and, and we're, we're absolutely going to talk about all those things later on. Um, but I wanted to point this out now. There's a, there's a fun opposition there between this has always existed in this manner. Oh yeah. And we, we intrinsically understand it as being a part of it. Versus, uh, there are things that don't exist until you see until them. Until we see them, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. I just wanted to point that out. Keep, keep trucking. Okay, let's, let's get out of perception and let's get into some cultures. Into, into hot tubs. <laughs> let's get into some hot tubs. Finally, pants are off. <laughs> God, wouldn't that be the worst? 
<laughs> Getting into a hot tub? No. Yes. I hate hot water. I hate it. <laughs> hey. I hate hot water. Uh, I'm Dave Stego. This is Dave Floor. Welcome to the hot tub episode. And it's just <laughs> just a video podcast of us in a hot tub praying the mics don't fall into the water. I've got a stogie and a gold chain. <laughs> oh, God! Probably some like, dark aviators. Uh, <laughs> gross. What little hair I can grow is <laughs> is jailed. Ugh. We'll put, we'll put, hey, hey, Dad, this is David and Dave. <laughs> We're in Hot Tub Hubbub. Hot Tub Hubbub. You nailed yeah. it. Shit, now we have to do it. We're talking about space and time in this one. Oh, boy. This is just a construct of your perception. Tina, we got any more pizza rolls? Hey, Tina, <laughs> take your shirt off. <laughs> We're just kidding, but seriously, if she took her shirt off, I'd enjoy it. God. <laughs> Hot Tub Hubbub. <laughs> Yeah, we'll we'll put that on the uh, that's that's the 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 one point five million dollar stretch goal for uh, the Kickstarter. <laughs> yeah, we get a million five, you get your horrible horrible hot tub show. <laughs> uh, physics and sexism all in one. Yeah. Well, uh, so sexism. Let's that's what be called physicism. Is it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's go into some cultures before we get into we we've, we've got some great theories of what reality is that we're. Mm-hmm. That we're gonna cherry on top this with, but uh, uh, before we get that, uh, reality can be largely shaped by culture, by in a vastly complex way. <laughs> uh, in Western culture, we have evolved largely to view the world in a scientifically empirical way, which means something is true or real if it has been verified through rigorous testing and observation, <laughs> or if it's been uh, sent to me by my aunt on Facebook. Uh, some, but certainly not all, Eastern cultures have a more traditional culture, that is to say, belief in a higher power as a perfectly acceptable cause explanation for the physical world. Cause yeah. slash explanation. One can argue that reality is subjective. You can argue that. You'd, you'd probably get argued with. But, right. Um, most but, contemporary. But the, the beauty of it is, is you, you can hold that out. You can hold that, that hilltop. You can hold it. <laughs> There's so many hilltops in this. <laughs> yeah, exactly, thing. yeah. Most contemporary cultures would agree that dragons are not real. However, traditional cultures in China still grind up and eat what they believe are dragon bones as medicine. Yep. These bones are actually dinosaur bones, and the cultures that practice this are slowly coming around to that fact. But for them, it was unequivocal proof that dragons were, or possibly are, real. Yeah, and there's there is even in Western thought, even in uh, Christian beliefs, uh, in in a lot of these uh, religious based systems where there's a god who's who's done a thing, um, they kind of fall into this this area called the Amphalos hypothesis. Do you have this? Uh, I don't think no. I do. Um, and so what it is is it says this is how you marry. Honestly, this is this is how you end up with uh, a world where where evolutionists and creationists fight over things. One of the creationist arguments, or and and, and it's this is by no means limited to Christian theology. This is sure. something that applies to a lot of other religions. People have used this, um, this this Amphalos hypothesis. Amphalos is a Greek, sounds for, like it, yeah, for uh for a navel for belly button, and it's did Adam and Eve have a belly button? Um, how oh. you know, <laughs> and and <laughs> who would even think of that? <laughs> It's a popular question, um, but and that's sort of a flippant use of it. But 
the the system is that God created everything, and since He's not an idiot, He He created everything with a history. Everything was created at a point so as to appear that it, it that it had existed for millennia or billions of years prior to. At the moment of creation, it had a built-in history. I see. Um, and so, uh, and this this is the sort of thing that came up um, in the latter half of the 20th century. We got better with telescopes when we saw light being emitted from very far parts of the galaxy and coming towards us, um, which created a little bit of a, a theological problem. If, if we're the center of the universe, how are there things, you know, but this is one of those things that worked it out. Um, and there is a part of this argument that said, well, at the point, at the moment they were created, Adam and Eve didn't have belly buttons. All, the, all the trees in the garden of Eden had no tree rings. But after that, everything went forward. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, there's a couple of different ways people have kind of tweaked this, this idea. But functionally, it says that everything was created at uh, an agreed upon by your theology point, but it was created in such a manner as to suggest a long pre-existing history. Okay. So, that, I don't know, just as I figured yeah. I'd throw that out while we got to that well, point. Well, culturally, the same reality can be explained in a couple different ways. But even even if you break it down further, even if you go further into that culture, it's it's still a point of contention, right? Yeah, you, and you couldn't you couldn't say across the board, you know, like you know, we're a part of Western culture, which is predominantly Christian. But you know, within that, there's a, a whole lot of different. I mean, and there are there are realities that people choose for themselves. Their perception of of I mean, uh, there's a huge. Cultural struggle right now, just with something as simple and and as but as far sweeping as uh, climate change, that 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 is becoming that is that is not for the most part actually a scientific argument anymore. The science train left the station. Oh yeah, but it is now a a cultural. It is a perception change. People have tied that in a way that I don't I don't honestly understand. And and that's not a I'm not saying that in a judging way. I I just saying I don't I don't understand the where the theology and the belief system comes into that, but that does seem to very thoroughly skew towards a, a more conservative perspective and a more religious perspective as far as climate uh, denial or change in denial. And I don't, I don't understand how those two things are, are, are sewn together. Yeah. Um, but, but that, but that is, that's a, that's a good example of, of something that has that you've got one set of data and, and, and I'm, I'm sorry, there's one set of data on that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there, there just is. Um, but there's this real struggle to, to come to grips with what that data says. Um, there's a, there's a, a and, and that's, that's an interesting, uh, example of, of a perception of a, of a, of a static reality and people's reactions to that. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, like I said, it's, it's complex in, in that, uh, there's so many different cultures and then even within the culture cultures themselves it really gets complex in there so i mean it's it's really interesting it is to to break down i've got a few here a few different cultures that that i'll tell you what the beliefs of reality are here first uh let's start with the aboriginal belief yeah the dreaming or jacarpa as it is known to central australian aboriginals is eternal and is existence itself in the past present and future the dreaming is the unseen world and gives life to reality and to the visible world. Uh, a- Aboriginal people do not look back to the dreaming. It is now. 
The dreaming has never stopped. It is here and now going on all around us. The most sacred time is now being present and not thinking about yesterday or tomorrow. A memory is brought into the present now, as is a vision of tomorrow. For them, the present moment and eternity have been physicalized as place. One is alive in the moment by being utterly grounded and centered in space, and Aboriginal spirituality is transcendent. Ultimately, reality is beyond the limits of the physical earth. Hmm. So there's a lot of interesting like temporal ideas within that. Yeah, and, and I think the core concept of that we're going to get back to in one of our uh, phys- physics theories that we're going to get to. Moving on to Celtic belief. In Celtic mythology, uh, this reality exists alongside the reality of the other world. The two are complementary, and the other world could even be seen as a storehouse of archetypes that inform and shape this physical reality. And this is an interesting correlation to an idea we'll discuss later with Plato's ideals. Yep, yep, that's going to come up a bunch. And, it, and it's fun to go through these cultural uh, beliefs and see the um, similarities between a lot of the, uh, the uh, scientific theories that are coming out today that are largely based in physics uh, and, and s- some based in philosophy. But, or, yeah, or but philosophy, yeah, that has nothing to do with these cultures, really, I would say. Um, moving on to Norse mythology. Uh, Norse mythology was shamanistic, which means that ultimate reality can best be discerned and interacted with through specific ecstatic trance states. Without delving too far philosophically, the Norse mythologies believed in a type of fate ruled by the Norns, three giantesses who represent the past, present, future, and weave a web of reality, which the Norns is- are assholes. <laughs> Or at nope. least that that one from uh, Gone Girl or whatever. What's oh, it? what's it? Not Lost Girl. Lost Girl. Yeah. Oh, oh. It's been a long uh, time since we made a Lost Girl reference on here. No, I think it's, it's like two episodes. I told <laughs> I was like, you need to watch Lost Girl, and you're like, I can't watch it at night because it's too long. So I watch Parks and Rec. Oh, was that me? You <laughs> said that. Who the f- else sits here? <laughs> of course, that was me. <laughs> this web of reality is paradoxically fixed and fluid determined and negotiable, allowing free will alterations, yet within a meta shape of necessity. Now, the fun thing about this, the web was known as weird. Mm. That was what it was called. It was thought that this web was unknowable, incomprehensible to mortals. Even if one was granted permission to look upon it, it would probably not be cognizable. Mm. You you wouldn't be able to, to understand it, wouldn't be able to comprehend what you were looking at. Uh, there is also the thought that one ripple in the fabric of weird affects the whole thing and adjustments on the pattern are then made. And we'll come back to those last couple concepts later on too. quantum entanglement. Yep. One more here for you. Just buzzing through Aztec or the Nahua people of Central America, the founders of the Aztec empire believed in a concept called Teotl. Uh, Teotl is a spirit, a concentration of power as a sacred and impersonal force, something more general than a god or gods. Teotl continually generates and regenerates, and what people understand as nature is an aspect, facet, or moment generated by or from Teotl. 
Moreover, Teotl is identical with everything, and everything is identical with Teotl. <laughs> so deep, man. Namaste. <laughs> Teotl is both metaphysically imminent and transcendent. It is imminent in that it penetrates deeply into every detail of the universe and exists within the myriad of created things. It is transcendent in that it is not exhausted by any single existing thing. And now is when you drink that shot of tequila. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> it's like a spiritual catalyst. <laughs> uh, that's, a, that's a quick jaunt across the world through uh, cultural realities. Bam. Uh, and, and again, you're going to see these come up as we start to delve now into theories of what yeah. reality is. And, and there are... Uh, and I've, I've read so many things about this and it is such a, it, that you realize that at the end of the day, anything that anyone is individually um, arguing really is just a proxy for all of reality. And, and a lot of these things, for example, um, there was a really great uh, article I read about uh, the reality of numbers. Mm -hmm. Do they exist? Do they take that? The platonic, we were talking about earlier, the, the idea of uh, Plato had that there were these ideals of, of there was, there existed in the ether, uh, an example of, you know, what is greenness and that exists. And that's, that is the, the standard by which things that are green are measured. And so, uh, and, and the, the platonic approach to say numbers, same thing that there is, there is a concept of what four is mm -hmm. and four is out there. And then we find examples, reflections of this elsewhere. Um, then, then there's, but all of these are, all these arguments are realized really are just proxies. You know, you, they, they work the same way, the way, so we don't have to spend any time talking about what are the theories of mathematics, right? What, you know, what do numbers exist? I, my personal belief that I think fits for all of this is that math space time, you know, there, there's a, there is one of the theories that, that our entire universe is populated by nothing but math and what we experience is the expression of that. It is, it is the way in which we can, uh, uh, conceptualize all the math that surrounds us, that that is the only true real thing in the universe and that everything else is just, uh, uh, frosting and house paint to make it all look and taste the way we can handle it. The, the, the interesting thing is that all these, these arguments are, are interchangeable, whether you're working on a, on, like I said, something like a small defined area like math or on the, the entire universe. You know, we already talked about the, uh, the Greek belly button theory. Right. We already taught, um, but there are so many other approaches that, that we're currently working through, not only, uh, philosophically, but scientifically. Sure. Um, it's, a, it's a perfect mix of philosophy and science. It is. It really. is. Uh, I know that there are, we, we had up until, the turn of the, the 20th century, we had a pretty good idea of how things worked. <laughs> we had Newtonian physics. We, we understood gravity. We had, we had not, not only finally figured out the shape of our solar system, but the, the principles that guided its motion. We, at that time, imagine how much knowledge that is. We now know how the very planet we live on is moving through space. Yeah. That's, that's huge. And then and here then, comes theoretical physics. Right. <laughs> then, you know, and as, and as we learn more, we, we, we stretch further. Oh man, we're going so fast right now. What if we went faster and faster and faster? And they start to realize as you get, as, as things move faster and faster, those, those rules that govern everything perfectly stop working. They, they start breaking down. 
So there, that creates a huge problem because we have an innate belief that there should be one set of rules, right. not two. Right. And we have not resolved that since. Oh, no. We've been rolling around with, with in, in this mud pit with a pig for, for a long time now. And so then we realized that on it, in the extremes, like uh, you could call uh, quantum physics, like the extreme physics for, for, for your everyday working man, for the, the physics you need in your kitchen, your car and your place of business, you're fine. Newtonian physics is going to make sure that all your apples drop, your wheels roll and, yeah. and all that works. But when you start getting extraordinarily small or start moving extraordinarily fast, you need a whole new set of rules that govern motion and interaction. And that's a huge problem for how we perceive reality. The fact that there's a schism that we have two sets of physics that don't get along very well. Uh, it means most likely that we're wrong. Hmm. Yeah. And about one or the other or both. Um, yeah. and, and so we have, and people hear these things, a super string theory that, that everything that we interact with all solid matter, all energy around us is actually vibrations of tiny two dimensional segments that are vibrating and their vibrations create three dimensional objects that we interact with that create the particles that underlie our, our very existence. Um, maybe, maybe so, maybe yeah. no. Yeah. Um, there are theories that are, that are not, uh, the, the purview of science fiction or, or movie script writers that we are living in a giant, uh, simulation that nothing around us is real, that we are living in a huge matrixy sort of surrounding. And this is not just idle speculation. This is something Fermilab is investigating. They are doing a very real, very expensive, high energy uh, research into this exact question. Um, for example, uh, one of the one of the one of the many research projects is saying if you have a three dimensional simulation that we are all running through, um, in order to place items within that, you have to have a. Uh, I don't want to say the word matrix because it's loaded in this context. You you have to have a a framework within that simulation that would guide where things go. And so there are scientists right now that are trying to look at um, very, 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 very small incremental distances. Uh, imagine uh, an image on a TV screen. As your face gets closer to it, you understand that that image is, is actually made up of thousands of little pixels. You can see the difference between the pixels. And, and, you know, and maybe if, uh, if a, a 4K TV was placed in someone's window, and the right thing was shown, you wouldn't know that that wasn't a window from it. As you walk by it, you'd think you were looking into somebody's house, but as you get very close to it, you go, Oh, I see the lines. This isn't a window. This is just a really well-made TV. What scientists, uh, one approach is that scientists are looking for that grid work. Um, it's, uh, a field called, uh, quantum, uh, chromodynamics. Quantum chromodynamics. Quantum chromodynamics is the area of research that goes into the, the forces that bind some atomic particles. They're thinking that if, we, if they look close enough at that binding, they'll be able to see the breaks. They'll see the differences. They'll see those anchor points in, in, in which um, this simulation is created. The Fermi lab 
is going for a different approach. They're using uh, two interferometers, which are uh, high energy lasers that they have that through beam splitters cross themselves at a very specific uh, interval. Then they realign that laser again. And what we talked about earlier, the Heisenberg uncertainty principle, you can never know the both position and velocity of a particle. And so all particles are constantly buzzing and humming. Even as you get them down to near absolute zero, they're, they're still buzzing and humming. Um, and we can measure that with an inferometer. We have the technology to, to see exactly how much motion there is in a particle. What they're doing is creating extraordinarily sensitive inferometers to measure empty space. Because if they're able to detect a slight buzzing in that empty space, then that empty space is not empty space. Yeah. It is a piece of something else. And so that's, that's some of the work they're doing. It's amazing. And it surprises me how much real hard research is going into this very, what would seem to be a very philosophical question. Oh yeah. And, but it's good. I mean, that's <laughs> why not try and find out what we're doing here and mm -hmm. what we're made of and what, why all that stuff. I, um, I want to go back to talking about Plato. Um, it's too late. We can't go back. We can only go forward. I'm, I am now. I'm Dude, now in, no time. I'm, time. I'm imposing an aboriginal <laughs> perspective on this podcast. There is we have no the past. memory of it. We have the vision quit, of what we're going quit to dragging next. the past into the present. <laughs> uh, talking about Plato and logos. Uh, Plato held the belief that everything in the world had a form outside the form we are able to experience, which is what you were saying. More precisely, everything in the universe has a perfect form, and trying to capture it often results in only symbolic representation. These perfect forms exist within a realm of perfect forms, one that we don't have access to. We see the shadows of it dancing on the, the cave wall. Oh, I mean, I have access to it. The perfect realm is called my boudoir. <laughs> <laughs> Why? What in my brain compelled me to say that? The three uh, Kentucky ales that you drink. Shut up! <laughs> Just real quick on that one. The uh, Plato said that devoting yourself to philosophy and and thinking about this a life for a lifetime, you may be able to grasp the tiniest glimpse of what a perfect form is. But you you just you, you can't. A mortal cannot cannot deal with it. Typical. Oh, guys, you'll never get it. Emo. So hard. Uh, what else we got How about here? idealism? Yeah, we're going through some philosophical yeah. realities for you. So idealism is the idea that reality is just a construction of the perceptions you already hold in your mind. Uh, so if, if there's something you can't perceive, it doesn't exist. Mm. Uh, and that uh, theoretically there's some unter person who can perceive the entirety of, of reality in his mind or her mind. And that person is divine. Because right. they got it all. They, yep. they Pokemon reality. <laughs> That's the first person to catch them all. <laughs> I mean, how do you know? That's that's the little catch-22 in this. How do you know you can't think of something if you haven't thought of it? Well, and and here's that that's that's the beauty of it. Like, right. mm, you can't. And, and, <laughs> and here's the thing. Some people consider that to be a confirmation of it. This <laughs> yeah. Philosophy, man. Philosophically. Philosophy, man. Philosophically. <laughs> That's delicious. We, we can perceive unicorns and dragons. Yep. Why are they not real? What? Why are they not real? What? Dude. 
Uh, I can't wait for you to get all the listener mail about that. Unicorns and dragons are real. <laughs> you're going to get, you're going to the penalty box on that one. <laughs> you dipshit. I guess, I mean, the concept of them is real. The The fantasy version that we ride around in D&D is, is real. Right. But as, what, as, but then would as the, far as a concept would goes. The, would, the, would the counter argument be that they are conceived of as a fictitious or mythological creature? That fiction is is real in that we have thought of fiction. Right. I mean, cause it, I mean, just ask a brony man. If, if simply wanting something to be so was true, we'd be up to our necks in real three dimensional cartoon horses. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, what that's, that's called hell. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's move on to solipsism. Yeah. Solipsism is the idea that you are the only thing in the world that you could possibly verify as real. Uh, It states that the only thing we can truly assert is the existence of the thinking self. If only there was some sort of philosophical one-sentence quote that could encapsulate this entire idea quickly and succinctly. I don't know. Maybe if you uh, overturn Descartes of apples that I have. (laughs) Oh, what One if, of them might have it just stuck inside of it. Oh, <laughs> Jesus. Wow. Yeah, it's you got dark with it. What, what's your reality, Flora? <laughs> My <laughs> reality is where Descartes doesn't work. That's yeah. <laughs> Cogito ergo sum. I think, therefore, we um, boy. <laughs> uh, Rene Descartes leading the charge on, on that one. Other minds outside the self cannot be proven which leads one to doubt their existence. Uh, this ties into something called the egocentric predicament. Everything you know about the world depends on and is created by your mind. Well, you love this one, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that means that we're all personally responsible for everything we hate. Yeah. Well, and everything that happens to us, I guess. Yeah. Will. No, Will. no. Will. <laughs> I, I, I can't, I can't hoist myself up as being the architect of my own prison. No, thank you. I'll pass. What do you think of this one? What? I don't like it. You don't like it? No. Then they just get to sit around and blame yourself for everything that's wrong. Well, you, you get to blame yourself for everything that exists really, right? Yeah. But who wants to be God of this world? I'll take a stab at it. <laughs> it's all yours. man. I'll take a stab. I guarantee you, you would love to live in my world. <laughs> Log flumes and churros for everybody. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> Just don't expect me to go to church on Sunday. That's my sleeping day. What's church? Oh, you did it! <laughs> uh, let's move on. What, what, what is next? How about phenomenalism? Phenomenalism. Anomalous phenomenalism. Phenom- yeah, I was going to say anomalous phenomenon. Uh, physical objects do not exist as things in themselves, but only as perceptual phenomena or bundles of sense data situated in time and space. Uh, so it's, it's more, more like uh, we're seeing the idea. And there actually is a small amount of psychological research to back this up. The fact that what our brains perceive us as, as colors and sounds are really, it's to, in order to save processing time. Uh, and I, I don't know if this has been borne out, if this is confirmed or not, but there's a lot of research into this. That, that our brain takes a lot of shortcuts um, yeah. as far as like, okay, I know what blue is, so I'm just filling, I'm just 
you know, control V, control V, control V. Yeah. We, we've got, I've got blue. It's on the clipboard. We're good. Um, <laughs> I never got the clipboard to work. Never <laughs> but yeah, so there's, there, there's a little bit of, of psychological uh, research that kind of goes into a similar idea than this, that what we're seeing, uh, and this was, this was an idea that was really pushed forward uh, by Immanuel Kant, which we've talked to, we've talked about him uh, and his critique of pure reason, which I, I've tried to read. Have you? Yeah, I have. Uh, it's 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 tough <laughs> to put it yeah. simply. Yeah, I, philosophy is fun. Yeah, I, I'm not wired if, for it. it well, it, if it you, exhausts me instantly, it's not how I'm put together. And I, I I did I took a I've got it sitting on my bookshelf. If you ever want to borrow it, but I took a real hard crack at it, and no, well, nah, nah, nah bruh, nah. The, the it's like watching the Major League Baseball All Star Game, like. <laughs> That's 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 how you should do philosophy. Yeah, you with take the, the with big the, ideas, and that's all you need. And, 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 and once you start following run, the season, and there's a home run derby. Yeah, yeah. Once you start following the season, it's it's yeah. just like man, what a grind. Truth. All right. Uh, what else you got, Flora? Oh, I know this one. This was uh, put together by the philosopher Alice in Chains. I am a brain in a jar. Okay. <laughs> I had to stop us. I had oh, to. I was I had to. already. I know. I know. I, I gave oh. Flora like the cut sign. I, I now I'm oh. now I'm self conscious about how much we sang in the last episode. Now, like, am, am I wrong? I shouldn't. Yeah. I shouldn't self edit that, should I? No, you shouldn't. In fact, uh, we need to get some more Disney songs in here. <laughs> we haven't had any. Uh, yeah, that's true. Any good Disney? We haven't flirted with a lawsuit of that proportions right. for a while. <laughs> Uh, the brain in the jar or the ba- brain in the vat. This is a thought experiment that's a, a problem encountered by philosophers and scientists who propose, like most people, that the external world is independently verifiable. Now, imagine for a moment that we are merely brains in vats with our perceptions being manipulated by evil scientists or aliens. Sukalo sound. Is such a thing even possible? Yes, it is. We'd never know. We'd never know. Uh, Or uh, I'd like to add to that list uh, Terminators, uh, Reptilians, (laughs) Palladians. And the Colonel. And the Colonel. How could we possibly know that we are in this state, right? And how could we disprove the possibility of this situation actually being the case for us right now? How do we know it's true? How do we disprove it? Well, and that's what I was talking about. That's what, that's actually what physicists are looking into. They are doing real research on this exact problem. Is there a way from within the jar to perceive the jar itself? Yeah. Yeah. This is, is kind of a modern spin on our pal Descartes evil demon problem. It makes the same point that we can't prove the existence of anything, but our consciousness, but employs a slightly different thought experiment. And, and for that, the evil demon controls the the decisions that that we make and the outcome. He could um, make you make you think two plus two equals five. That's that's the amount uh, for Descartes. That's the amount of manipulation the evil demon is capable of as it stands in in our little uh, vat that we're that we're floating in right now. Two plus two does equal four. So at least at least there's that. Maybe two plus two doesn't equal four, and that's just being 
foisted upon us somehow. Well, if this sounds like The Matrix with Keanu Raves, <laughs> <laughs> that's because The Matrix was based on this very scenario. And, and Trinity. And Trinity. <laughs> and Nio. <laughs> and Morpheus. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> But uh, uh, you, you see where it, where it, yeah. where it's coming from. I mean, Mister Anderson, Mister Anderson was was very happy in his. He wasn't happy. He had a shitty job and computer hacker life. Well, he was okay with his job and his life, but he didn't know that there was more out there. Well, including- it was the smell. <laughs> it permeates him. <laughs> <laughs> that's what he. That's my favorite part. It's the smell. <laughs> And then someone on the outside of the jar, the vat, the human containment unit that he was in, unplugs him, gets him out of that reality that he is experiencing, and then dumps him naked down down a KY sh- jelly shoot. A KY jelly shoot, which is everyone's ultimate reward. Oh, by the way, in my reality, where I'm king, mm-hmm. everyone has one of those in their backyard. <laughs> <laughs> KY jelly shoot. Next to the log flume and the churros. <laughs> it's it's a KY log flume. Stop. <laughs> okay. We're getting into it. So, he, I mean, obviously, uh, who owns the jar? Well, that, now see, uh, we uh, can't. We, who uh, 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 owns uh, the jar? If we are just, just trying to get to the point of seeing the jar, let alone beyond the jar, God help us. Or, yeah. or T-1000 help us. <laughs> or whoever else, or or, or Shisk help us. <laughs> original uh, eleven er- herbs and spices. Help yeah. Us. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, what about? Uh, I like the brain in the jar. I, I, yeah. I think it's fun. Yeah, I mean, it's a hoot. But also, I think it's because I know the Matrix well, and and that resonates with me. You know yeah. what I mean? I I understand it through having seen the Matrix, so yeah, I I get it. Yeah, which is a which is a good indirect means of explaining the concept yeah. you know yeah and that's anyway. the whole basis of the movie right let's talk about some of the uh physics yeah let's get to this physics. uh first off that list the multiverse which everyone has heard about says that there are uh an infinite number of parallel universes to our own in which every every conceivable difference that there is is uh manifest every time a choice is made differently that's a whole nother parallel universe. And in, in this, in this belief system, in this, in this theory, um, because in an, in an infinite system, anything that can happen will happen. Um, <laughs> and so there, there exists, uh, in, in this series, 10 billion realities in which you would perceive no meaningful difference. Right. They, they are the difference between a person dropping a pen and not dropping a pen. Uh, you know, between me throwing a battery at your balls and not throwing <laughs> a battery at your balls. But yeah, no one notices that difference, Flora. That's what I keep telling you when I pelt your genitals with not batteries. Not this reality. <laughs> In my reality, KY log flume, churros, <laughs> no batteries at balls. <laughs> you keep making these rules. And they're great rules. <laughs> Come on over. <laughs> but so the, the this multiverse theory and 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 we talked about this uh, on our time travel bullstone that that that's how you equate uh, time travel. If you can find a way to go from one reality to the other, there is a reality that is exactly identical to ours that's offset oh. x a number of years. Right. That is exactly like ours, but except for where we're in the year twenty fifteen, they're in the year ten fifteen. 
You want to go to year 1015? You go to that universe. Oh my God, that would be great. <laughs> We're just sitting at a, at a pub. Right. But here's the thing. <laughs> In that, in that, that's, that's how you avoid time travel paradox. You can go to the at reality, kill your grandfather. Doesn't f- with you at all. Right. You just, f- that reality's you. Yeah. And so that's how you, you, you get all the benefits of time travel. You can be Marty McFly. You can run around and f- your parents' life up like crazy <laughs> and then just jet and not worry about it. So that, that's a fun one. What, what do we got oh, next yeah. here, Floor? Uh, fictional realism. Let's do fictional realism. It's it relies on the knowledge of the multiverse uh, theory, and this is this is very cool too. Because like you were saying, uh, there's a reality where you and I are doing the blurry Punch and Judy uh, pubcast. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, from ten fifteen or whatever. Uh, it states if you can think it into existence in some realm, it must exist, and this gives all your fantasies and nightmares valid existence. It's it's the most beautiful thing I can imagine if I could travel to the dimension where uh, I am in like f- the Forgotten Realms D and I'd, I'd live my life, chase around some elves. But wouldn't you spend? But by by virtue of that belief, by hoping that that happens, wouldn't that happen to you? I guess it would happen to some me somewhere. It's not me, me, because <laughs> I'm obviously not there. Right, but then you then you but could further some say I can some... imagine. A world in which they can find me. Oh, that's true too. I don't know. I don't know. Let's imagine a um, gorgeous wood elf uh, uh, walks into uh, a female. Uh, walks into <laughs> nice the catch. room right now. Nice catch, everybody. Everybody and says that. we need your help defending Tira's lean. Tira Lothiel. Ah, nothing. Okay. Well, it happened in somebody's, in some David's reality. <laughs> yeah, some podcast just took a hell of a left turn. <laughs> By the way, that David, you're fucking welcome, mate. <laughs> you are welcome. <laughs> Meanwhile, back at home, battery to the balls! Oh, battery oh, to the balls! Oh, <laughs> oh, I want to go to the reality where I'm king! <laughs> <laughs> so, that one's obviously kind of silly, but still great to think about right yeah and, and it and that definitely files more under like what some of the other philosophies we talked about that were really impinged uh, that they were they they hinged on whether or not uh what we perceive or what we imagine you know and yeah. that's yeah i mean it i think as it says it's it's fictional realism it's 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 <laughs> yeah. it's the the realm of a fanfic and it truly is gosh oh, it is populated totally. by 10.6 million gay Harry Potters <laughs> who's being who is in turn chased by 10,000 different versions of the gay Draco yeah, of, yeah. Or, or just regular versions of uh, the wolf mans and, and vampires for teenagers I can't even think of the name Twilight, anymore Twilight's, Twilight's yeah <laughs> alright well, how about the uh, the single electron postulate which this one this one's I love this one. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Uh, the The whole thing came up when a physicist named John Wheeler was just talking to uh, just some dumb student named Richard Feynman. Uh-huh. Dramatic guitar. <laughs> Feynman was awesome. But the, the idea that he had is this, uh, that there is only one electron in the universe. Right. But it is a time traveling electron. Uh, we've talked about this before. I know I like to talk about it. Electron superposition, that an electron will occupy all states that it can until it's forced to choose one. Um, every single electron is 
perfectly identical yep. in all in all science and testing. Um, and so the thought is that there's just one electron that is ripping back and forth through time, like like a, a shuttle on a loom, weaving reality as it goes back and forth. And on its way forward, it's an electron. On its way back, it's a positron, which is the opposite yeah. of an electron. Uh, and so it, in, in this one thing is, is, is creating all of reality as it rips back and forth. Now there's a couple of problems with it, that there are far more electrons and positrons in the world. So maybe it just so kind we, of like, so we have observed. Yeah. So maybe it kind of loops around. Maybe it can get around that. Maybe it's, it's accumulating a huge time debt. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it's, it's a fun thought experiment. And who's to say, I mean, electrons already do extraordinarily weird things. It's true. And, and there is, uh, an interesting, uh, corollary to this in Christian theology. There is a, 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 a belief that in the Christian practice that there is, that, that God is a personal God and because he's the God of everything, he's the master of time and space. So he actually can walk with you individually throughout your life and that he is, he is with you on a very personal basis throughout your life. Um, which I it just, I don't know. It seemed very familiar to this, this idea of, of, of this one item moving, you know, I don't know. I just, God is an yeah, electron. Yeah. It just, <laughs> it sounded familiar. So I figured I just mentioned that. So I, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. And it, and it makes a lot of sense on paper. Uh, like you said, the trouble is there doesn't seem to be that many positrons in the universe. Wheeler actually threw out there kind of as a joke. Well, maybe they're all just in protons as opposed to looking for them where the electrons, but the positrons, maybe uh-huh. they're located in broad, or maybe they're all grouped together in some corner of the galaxy or, or universe that we yeah. haven't even. Yeah. And, and the universe is not uniform. Our, yeah. our rules for physics don't necessarily apply everywhere. That's right. And here's, here's a kicker for you. There's also the math that says by the end of its journey, this one electron, it would be 10,000 Google years old. And that's not just uh, ten thousand web searches. That yeah, no, do. no. That the irony being that you don't know how big that number is unless you Google it. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's my first thought. I was like, I don't know how big that is. I get. Oh, I see what you did there. <laughs> this is this is like when you hear somebody say Googleplex, right? You know, this is uh, ten thousand Google. You kind of stop. You Call stop after time debt. And then there's the old holographic principle, which it, we've talked about this plenty tonight. Already. Right? Yeah. We. It seems like. It's a, it's something that you can wrap your head around and then it gets down into how they say it's possible. And then you just sort of, your mind just sort of is like, is that a squirrel out there? The entire universe can be seen as a two dimensional information on the cosmological horizon, such that the three dimensions that we observe are an effective description only at a macroscopic scale and at low energies. Uh, in other words, the vo- a volume of space needs one less dimension than it appears to need based on an observer-dependent gravitational horizon. It seems 3D to us. It could actually be a two-dimensional structure that's overlaid onto an incredibly large cosmic horizon. Uh, Think of a couple things here for you. Television. Turn on the TV. That is a two-dimensional representation of three dimensions. Right. That's one way, I think, to think about it. Yeah, what they're what they're in, in what that's why it's important that they they add in the phrase uh, observer dependent gravitational yeah. horizon. Our perspective is important, and it's also important. And, and this actually could even bleed into some of those other theories. What we see and how we perceive it, you know, our brains could be doing some of the work. Yeah, 
you know uh, yeah. so and this this also gets into string theory and the theory of uh, membranes yep brains that that we occupy as are actually two dimensional universes but then we perceive it uh, as as three it, it oh man wibbly wobbly right and that's exactly what that uh the the quantum chromodynamics that's exactly yeah. what they're looking into is the the holographic universe right idea. quantum 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 yeah chromodynamics you know i, I always feel like a dick come and go so many so often you come and go <laughs> oh because i yeah that's what i thought i didn't know if you were gonna keep doing it yeah, mm. you, you throw quantum in front of something and it sounds like a bigger deal than yeah. it is. Also, if you've ever read Flatland by Edwin Abbott, Edwin Abbott, Abbott, uh, have you ever read that? Nope. It's it's actually pretty fun. I, I haven't actually finished it. I'm I'm in the middle of it. I uh, started reading it a little while ago, but it's the idea of shapes living in, in their two-dimensional world and how they explain mm-hmm. how how they live there. They They explain how... Uh, they they live in this two dimensional world and all the that stuff. It's really fun. And to them, you know, as as a two dimensional object, they can't perceive. They they have no way of of perceiving a three dimensional thing. Right. You know, everything is always two dimensional. Always has been. Always will be. So, anyways, time for some time. Yeah, I've got I've got time. Just a few. Well, we're gonna bang these out super fast because I know this is a this is this is this is a this is a rich flourless cake <laughs> you know i'm gonna make it fun presentism <clears throat> the past only exists in your mind as a construction of memories the future only exists as a false prediction of something that has not yet occurred the only real existence of time is right now in the present moment exactly when you observe it yeah this <laughs> smells like a aboriginal belief yeah Right? It does. Right? You live right now. The only thing that, that matters and has ever mattered is right now. What's happening? The past is, it's gone. It's memories. The future, you can only think maybe of what, it, it doesn't, it yeah. doesn't exist. A past, the future does not exist. Yep. That's what I keep telling my parole officer. And? <laughs> <laughs> it's his limited worldview that's really what's keeping this giant tracking bracelet on my leg. How about eternalism, Flora? Eternalism uh, says that time is multifaceted, existing all at once, but only observable from certain vantages based on your relation to it. Just because you did not observe the creation of the universe does not mean it did not occur at the same time you were born, you son of a bitch. Time <laughs> is ultimately determined regardless of the observance of it. This is what we were talking about. Um, uh, f- time. Yeah. There is no time. I got no time. Time won't give me time. Or there is time. It's just all right now. So when we did our episode on the Dybbuk box, yep. it, it's happening right now. Yeah. The same time we're doing this. Yep. Why can't we jet leave this and give ourselves some power? Oh, that's true. Well, because we have to kill ourselves to do it. Let's just do it. Listen, if you want to fight Dave Stecco, you go ahead, but I'm staying out of that. I'm not fighting Dave Stecco. <laughs> I'm fighting me, and I'm a pussy. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's the first rule of Dave Stecco. We have the uh, the pantemporal agreement. <laughs> Stecco, no no Dave on Dave crime. We don't f- with each other's timelines. We even, I mean, and there's a t- I mean, sometimes we got to watch a timeline burn. <laughs> yeah. Also, added bonus, 
temp sexual. <laughs> That's, yeah, I will make out with any day from any other timeline. <laughs> uh, I can I can get behind this because I always think, and I think we mentioned in a time travel episode, if we were to travel through time right now, mm-hmm. we could go to ten years from now, and we'll be we'll be in twenty twenty five, and just know that like as we're there. This time in 2015 is still happening, still going forward. Yeah. If if, if we want, I mean, we could always travel back to the moment we left. But think about it: like everything can be happening all at once, right? And and that's and that's just the the weird. But without without you going forward in time, Dave and David are fucking around ten years ago doing God knows what, waiting for their most ultimate creation, that being blurry photos, right? But that's happening. Yeah. Yeah. Or is it? I don't know. Us running around in the fields thinking summer is is forever long. Yeah. Is happening right now. Me just waiting, waiting to get that little dipper. That's right. Uh, So that's eternalism. Yep. Third one. uh, One more. This is like the biggest slam dunk because we've gone over this in six different ways from Sunday. Computer simulation. That we are actually part of a simulation run by an advanced future civilization. This is just another version of the jar or the hologram that, that we are perceiving a false environment created by pick your entity. Uh, I'm going to go this round with uh, the, the Palladians. Cause that means that it's going to get sexy freaky later on. Oh yeah. Um, and it's going to walk through the door right now. <sighs> in another timeline. Disproven. <laughs> in another world, in another universe. Or um, all three. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, so the, the, that, that everything we know is an illusion provided by someone else and, and researchers working on this to determine if that could be the case. Yeah. Which I mean, now that is an episode of Star Trek where the people on the holodeck start to suspect maybe they're on a holodeck and they figure out very elaborate ways on the holodeck of seeing beyond the holodeck. The Moriarty one. Yeah. The Moriarty episode. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I, you never I, never create a character capable of defeating Lieutenant Commander Data. That's right. That's just shooting yourself in the face. Yeah. I've seen this this hypothesis crop up a number of times recently. Mm-hmm. Like this is a this is kind of the new hotness that's going on. Oh, we're in a we're in a, a computer simulation actually. And and they have arguments against it that include the the fact that the longer we live, the less likely it's true. Because I guess why would the simulation go on for so long? The simulation would be some people have theorized ancient alien astronauts have theorized <laughs> that um, someone in the far flung future that has such such computing power uh-huh. that they run this uh, ancestor civilization simulation. Uh-huh. So they want to know where their forebears came from, how they acted, what they would. Oh, what if this happened? What if this happened? What if? Um, I won't get too political. I almost got too political on this. I know some of you guys don't like that. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay. I see what you mean. Why, why are we getting old and dying? Why has it been running this long? To which I would say, well, at no point in history do we say, well, we have this thing called the white line. Anything before this date is just a big white void to us. Uh, It's just like uh, the Greek belly button theorem, uh, whose name I don't remember. Like that when you build a simulation, you build the backstory into it. Oh, yeah. So this thing could have stopped and started, stopped and started. And for us, we would never know. That's true. Also, I don't buy into that just in the fact that if they have such computing power that they can do all this in the first place, they can run it from the beginning of 
goddamn time and go to whenever they want. Yeah. And it could all crunch down and and happen for them and the data gets exported to them in 10 yeah. seconds for them. Like this could be happening yeah. I, I don't know. It, it, the time would be crunched for for them. The computers doing all this simulation. Yeah, exactly. Not them waiting for it. So anyway, ha. Huh, I think we could talk at length about any of these. I don't think I can anymore. I think I'm done. Well, not anymore. <laughs> but, you know, these that's that's why these things are these things. They're, that's right. they're really fun, but that's uh that's going to be fucking reality for you in a and I I caps. listen, I should have said this at the beginning. It's not like we were going to like settle anything. <laughs> oh yeah. That's yeah, there's in, no in, there's no conclusions to this. In a a a perceived time irrelevant simulated nutshell. I think that the um I think the reality that we find ourselves in right now is one that uh, is fraught with danger, and yet all that we can perceive in this is just the shadow form of puns. <laughs> you know, Flora, there is a um, there's one thing we didn't get to talk about. One of the what is it? One of the philosophies. Uh, one of the the. Are you sure we can go back? <laughs> We've got the time. <laughs> Uh, it, it, one of the philosophies of, of people's perception of, of, of reality is, is uh, that we are surrounded by, by I guess, morons. <laughs> I guess by lack of a better phrase, like imagine a, uh, an automobile and you are, you're driving this automobile, but you're not you as in perceiving reality. You are actually a gigantic pro wrestler slash assassin <laughs> who, who uses a, a a a mix of toxins and poisons and and juices to become even more strong. It's the bane in a car theory of reality. <laughs> I see. <laughs> I see. Yeah, a little brain in a jar to your face. <laughs> nice. Noise. I'm surprised I got away with that. You smelling that one? Because you're you're pretty on the ball with with. I was thinking real wrestlers. I was oh. like, oh, Macho Man, Hacksaw <laughs> Jim Duggan. Who's he going to pick? <laughs> uh, well, you know this, Dave. We all have that one friend who is always depressed, thinks the world is against them, nothing's ever their fault, and if they could just get a break, they would finally succeed. Uh-huh. You, you, you know, you oh, know yeah. a person like that? Yeah. yeah. It's just sad because they obviously live in a sob story-ality. <laughs> I got it. Uh, there's another um, philosophical reality where the only the only way for you to exist in reality is by altering your surroundings negatively, by creating clutter, by leaving messes around, by uh, just not showering or bathing, um, just getting really gross. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe even a little gooey. You just you just got like just some slime hanging off you at one point. Oh God! Yeah, yeah. That's uh, sloppy system. <laughs> that one works because you just replace, you just switch some layers. <laughs> yeah, <around. laughs> gross. What a world to live in. <laughs> Actually, it's kind of pretty close to my world on the weekends. <laughs> uh, and I've got the idea that physical food doesn't exist as objects, but as bundles of taste data <laughs> situated in your mouth. Oh yeah, yeah. This is. Phenomenomnominalism. <laughs> That's a good one. Nom, uh, nom, nom. Yeah, you went on that one. That was that was a good one. <laughs> oh God! And now, 
Now it's time for us to expand our perspectives, try to perceive a reality beyond our own. And you know what I think? What do you think? I think that reality is trying to perceive us. <gasps> Vis-a-vis Listener Man. <laughs> Fast and furious, super fast emails. So fast. <laughs> that was it. Yeah. We don't even have time for no. musical interlude. Uh, this one's from Stormy Babe. Hey, Stormy Hello. Babe. Stormy Babe writes, hey guys. Hey. Hey. Still trucking on through and just got done with El Dorado slash Miss Cryptid 2014 supplemental Ooh. four and got to say, Jeez. don't be dissing on mermaids, bro. <laughs> mermaids are freaking <laughs> awesome. I think, I think, uh it's not so much that we don't like mermaids. I dislike quote unquote documentaries about finding mermaids. Yeah. But they're, they're a little too popular for uh, what we do. Granted, I'm saying this now. I don't, I'm sure if I went back and listened, I'd be like, good mermaids. They all suck. I'm sure I said something <laughs> dumb. Uh, moving on. Also got to say, uh, uh, we have not scared her off yet. In fact, it's the opposite. Pulling, pulling her further and further into our web of interesting facts and drunken bullshit. Oh man, <laughs> that web gets real drunk. That's right. <laughs> and so far, uh, Stormy Babe's been pimping us to her friends. So yeah. thank you for that. That's the way to do it. And Stormy Babe has a mundane superpower. Give it to me. The ability to turn water into wine. The caveat, because you may have heard of this power before. Who? The caveat, its quality is determined by how much you paid for the water. Water from a tap tastes like ass and cat pee had a baby. <laughs> Spend 50 to to $100 on some supposedly pure spring water that has been blessed by a Pope 60 $50 years ago. $50 on spring water? <laughs> it tastes like- What are we like living in the future? <laughs> then it, it, in that case, it tastes like an angel peed rainbows into your mouth. Oh. <laughs> yes, we did find this amusing. I uh, couldn't help but notice that all of your beverages- Come pee. back. To, yeah, a lot of pee. Lot of, uh, Thanks, Stormy Babe. Urine centric. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, heard from our friend Steve. Hello, Steve. Wh- whom we met at the Petacon yeah. with uh, Corey. Hey, Steve, how you doing? Uh, Steve was is asking for that EVP, the one we c- we kept going on about. And you know what? Since since we went on about it, I think it's uh, degraded a little bit. I think oh. uh, it's lost a little bit of its uh, luster for me, anyway. Oh, well, I haven't. But I only listened to it at that one time because I was in the, the, I guess, the right state of mind. I think so. But um, he's asking where you could get it. I have, uh, Steve, put it on the archives page on the website right next to that episode in, in season one, I think it was, of the archives. Was that season one? It may have been season yeah. two. Whatever it was. I put it next to there. There's a link to it. Uh, we found it on YouTube. Uh, so check that out. And yeah, as always, Steve, thank you for uh, for listening. Thanks for your support. And uh, uh, you and Corey, true gentlemen. Absolutely. Of the highest order. Thank you. Got a cool story link from uh, Giannis. Thank you, Giannis, for that one. Hey, thanks. Giannis. <laughs> hey, guys, it's Giannis. <laughs> uh, got an email here from James, the skeptical Okie. Hey, James. Of all the Okies, there's only one with a critical eye. That's right. Uh, he writes, hey, guys, love your show. Hey, Thank thanks. Thank you. Found it about three weeks ago. Nearly gotten through the back catalog. Keep trucking. Whoa. T- t- take your time, man. I Keep just, trucking. I just, I, I can't imagine anyone hearing my voice that much and still liking it. We got a great big convoy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just finished the one about psychokinesis and heard uh, us mention James Randy. Oh, yeah. The amazing Randy. The amazing Randy. Yeah. Uh, I think that Randy, as well as Houdini, would make a good show topic. I agree oh, with possibly, that. Possibly, yeah. 
Both of them dedicated their lives to exploring the unexplained, primarily with psychics, mediums, and the like. Believe it or not, both of us would be welcome additions to any skeptic group. As a matter of fact, if you're ever in OKC, that's Oklahoma City, if you're cool. Under up. Uh, yeah, let me know and I'll set you up with the skeptics in the pub, uh, set you up, uh, skeptics in the pub for us. <laughs> hey, hey, I'm into that. Also, we thought about doing a show on lycanthropes, werewolves, werecats, and, and, and where anything else. Sure. We sure. have indeed we have. And some puns <laughs> for which he gives the obligatory advanced apology. Come on. Knock it off. <laughs> Quite apologizing. Have you ever heard of a mysterious figure that causes you to lose things for short periods of time? No. Makes you forget things or cock blocks you at the bar? No. It's the hinder man. Oh, oh bye, bastard, bye, bastard, bye. Bastard. Uh, <laughs> did you hear about the castle of uh, a noble porcine king of legend? No. It was Hamelot. Oh. <laughs> I dig it. It's a classic. Uh, mundane superpower would be catography the ability to know the location of cats wow. but only immediately before stepping on their tail Ooh, well, that's good if you have a pet cat yeah and when it pissed at you constantly <laughs> <laughs> no, no 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 but you would know right before you stepped on the tail so presumably you'd stop <laughs> i don't know uh thanks guys for making such an entertaining show no thank you for listening and it manages to be informative too thank you very much thanks james dave we've heard from lex Oh, Lex. Lex. Don, 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 yeah. don, don. I feel uh, like I need Lex to spot me at the gym. <laughs> I think Lex could. He says, hey, blurry photographers. Hey, uh, new fan reporting in. Desperately playing catch up uh, during the morning commute and on long Greyhound bus trips. Dave, I have a feeling Lex has seen some shit. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. <laughs> and he, uh, he, he brings up a good point here. He says, uh, we mentioned uh, that we wanted to do an episode on gypsies maybe. Uh-huh. Uh, a, a while back and he just wanted to give us a heads up that many many members of the Romney people view that as a roughly equivalent to their n-word hey so uh, you know walking on bro- broken glass there yeah um, you know what I noticed that in our last episode that yeah. we, we made this weird and I, I didn't catch it until it was done and let me stop right there. I'm not going back. We're not changing anything. Well, yeah, yeah. But uh, I noticed that in the intro, we made a reference to uh, gypsy cursed antiques. Right. And then later on, we're like, well, the Romany, you know, we don't, you don't want to say gypsies. And I was like, wait, I'm, and I actually, I was like, yeah, we did. We said yeah. that. So sorry. Work in actually, progress. Davey and Dave. Yeah. <laughs> from the. Yeah. Those two bastards. Oddities. They are ignorant. So uh, sorry about that. I, I, I feel like, I feel like we're hit or miss on that. And I think we should, uh, you know, we can be a little more on the ball with, with tightening that loophole in our linguistic catalog. Sure. Sure. I yeah. mean, it's, it's one of those things I think we brought up that. Unless we're quoting share that unless we're quoting share, we, we shan't do it, but it's one of those things we've been raised with. Like, I think you were, you were talking about, uh, uh, a thing that you had been raised because you didn't know it was a um, uh, culturally oh yeah bad I, thing to say, but then I once have you a, learned yeah I had this 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 sad weird little anecdote about when I was in junior high I wanted one of those mouth harps that goes boing 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 and I really wanted one and it was like my birthday coming up and I had heard someone reference it and I thought that they said juice harp like like juice and I was like I don't know where that comes into but whatever nothing yeah. has to make sense I'm in junior high. I didn't realize that, that, that there are, there are people that refer to that as a Jews harp. Yeah. Right. And, and I would obviously never have said that. And it was a friend of our family. I just like my, I just said it around them and they're like, Oi, come on, man. Yeah. And I, I, and I didn't realize what, what that was. And I was like, Oh crap. And then I felt terrible. Right. right. Yeah. But so live and learn mouth harp or a boinger. 
way better name. Boinger's better. Call it a Boinger. But yeah, I mean, the term gypsies, obviously, the more we can spread that, uh, probably not, not the best thing to say there, yeah. uh, folks. Whilst acknowledging our mistake on that intro, because it's, I, I, I just Didn't don't want anyone to be like, uh, you guys got real high and mighty about it, but like one episode before <laughs> you guys right. were like, woo, right. pew, pew, pew. So thanks, uh, thanks for bringing it up, Lex, yeah. and thanks for listening. Keep on chugging. Yeah. And uh, spot me on this next set, Lex. Thanks, Lex. I've got one here from uh, Nick. Who, which Nick? Uh, it's There's Nick. Lots of Nicks. That's the one. And Nick's got a great email. Okay. <laughs> he writes, you have ruined many movies for me. Yeah. I watched Close Encounters of the Third Kind with my wife last night, and I could not stop <laughs> doing your impression of Richard Dreyfus the whole time. What? <laughs> much to her chagrin. Thank you very much. Come for on! <laughs> Thank you very much for destroying my life. That's on you, Flora. <laughs> That's on you. Gladly accepted. <laughs> what a great way to shit on a movie. <laughs> what are these lights? Where did he get all these potatoes? <laughs> what? What? <laughs> Play that music. Damn it. <laughs> Thanks, Nick. Uh, uh, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> Mikey Wheels. Real quick. Uh, Mikey by. Wheels has been riding shiny and chrome way before it was popular. <laughs> it's true. He's a he's a Fury Road hipster. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he actually sent us a link to okcrypted.com. Yeah. An we didn't actual know. site. We didn't know that was real. Actual site. Uh, we actually, I think, dodged a bullet by the one we chose. Yeah. Which is awesome. Yeah. But uh, yeah, thanks, Mikey, for, for bringing that up. Yeah, uh, go crypt, check it out. That was, it just had a better ring to it. But OK Cryptid was like, we almost oh, did an yeah. intro about OK Cryptid. <laughs> That's awesome. And one more here, uh, rounding us out with a pun, is Fex. Nice. What's up, Fex? Fex, or is it Tex? Tex? I don't know. Tex? Tell, tell us. I don't but. know, but I also feel like this person could spot me at the gym. Both of them. Lex and Tex. Uh, did you did you hear about the mythological creatures having a music festival? What if their name is Sex, but they have a lisp? <laughs> I think that's probably it. Probably it. Did you hear about the mythological creatures having a music festival? No. Nymphs and fairies at Saturday Night Fever fawning over the Goatman Band. Panic at the Discoat. Jesus! Oh wow! Bam! Bam! That's bam, right. bam! 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 Rabbit punch! It's like liquid thick. <laughs> Thank thick. Thank thick. <laughs> oh, and that that will uh, that'll wrap, wrap up. up. Yeah, this this lengthy and glorious episode of blurry photos. Uh, thank you. Uh, I I know we we usually go through this really fast, but I want to like just slow it down for one brief moment because this Ooh. hasn't dragged on enough. Yeah. <laughs> slow it down. I just want to thank all you listeners. No, for real. Um, for taking the time to write reviews on iTunes. Um, we read them. They may, they, they, they certainly make our day. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and thank you. I appreciate it. I know we always ask for you guys to do that. And for those of you who have, it really does make a big difference to us. Thank you so much for doing that. Thank you. And thank you for, for telling your friends about us. Yes. That, that's that, the best way. I honestly, that is the single greatest way why, why we get more listeners, why we get uh, more people to support this podcast and we get to do more fun stuff. So thank you guys very much for that. Yeah. Uh, thank you for um, those of you who, who are punching the donate button and, and getting audiobooks and, uh, and liking our posts yeah. on Facebook. Thank you guys for doing all those Tweet, things. You re- certainly don't have to. And uh, I'm glad that you enjoy the podcast. I know Flora's glad you enjoy the podcast and we have no plans on stopping to do this. It's only going to get louder and worse. <laughs> That's right. Yep. More movies ruined. Help us get more worse. marriages destabilized. 
<laughs> more ethnic minorities being uh, just mocked out of our sheer ignorance. Right. All these things. Sorry about that last one. If you want to contribute, have it yet. Uh, blurryphotos.org, of, of course, epicenter of what we do. Mm-hmm. You can find a link to our Facebook page, a link to our Twitter, blurry underscore photos. You can find a link to audibletrial.com slash blurryphotos to get a free audiobook and a 30-day trial membership with uh, Audible. It's free. Yep. And also that uh, that shiny uh, donate button, obviously, super easy to do. Thank you for those of you guys who, who give your hard-earned cash uh, in appreciation of what we do. Yeah. And also thank you to the Chicago Podcast Co-op. Yeah, if you get sick of our voices, and I would not blame you if you did, uh, why don't you listen to their voices? Yeah, check out Making New Friends. Each week, Pat invites new and old friends into a studio where anything can happen. <laughs> <laughs> Former guests include murderers, ghosts, milkmen, centaurs, and that nice fella who lives down the street. Remember there was that knife fight? Okay, that never happened. But anything could happen. Remember there was that hoof fight with that centaur? <laughs> yeah. uh, so thank you, Chicago Podcast Co-op, and uh, please... Uh, support the rest of our friends yep. here in Chicago. Uh, and I think, you know what? That should do it. That will conclude this perceptive reality. Yeah. For all that you can perceive for this episode of Blurry Photos, I have been David Florinominalism. And I have been Dave the Lone Electron Stecco. Oh, man. You're everywhere. Flora. Yeah. Multi parallel dimensional sign off in three, two, one. Bye 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 b